Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Praise God. Welcome. We're glad you guys are here tonight. How are you tonight? Good. Good. My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here, and I love that I get to preach God's word and hopefully continue to help be used to be led lead people in worship. Let me preview a little bit where we're going tonight. Uh, The goal of tonight is really worship, including the goal of this sermon. Um, Really, every renovate this spring will really be about worship. And let me explain. Every kind of season or semester or or series, um, we'll have kind of a theme to renovate, or we'll go through a book um, we've, we've, uh, last fall, we, we talked about in the renovates, God is father, God is son, God is Holy spirit. We've talked about sermon on the Mount in past. Uh, we've talked about world issues through a biblical lens. And so this spring, uh, as we really evaluated, okay, what do we want to step into? Kind of what's our theme? What's our series? It's really all going to be tied to worship. And I don't mean musical worship. I don't mean the theology of worship, which is a great topic and, and would be a great thing to teach on, um, I don't mean those. I really just mean truth that should stir our affections for God. And that's who we always want to be, but that's specifically where we're going tonight and the renovates uh, this semester. Let me explain a little bit more too. We worship and we we just finished worshiping through music. And, And the design of that is to be able to have these incredible musicians and artists craft lyrics that are reminding us of truth or proclaiming truth with their giftedness to stir our affections to remind us what is true. Um, And so if you're here, and maybe you're here and you're not like Mr. or Mrs. Super Christian, and even specifically maybe you're here and, and you've grown up in the church, but like the music thing isn't necessarily your scene, or you're here and you're like, okay, I wanna hear what they have to say, but maybe you're still kind of searching for what truth is and where you find it and what that satisfaction looks like. I love that you're here. And even you might even approach worship, and certainly this has been true in seasons of my life where I'm like, what are we doing? Like, cool, good music, it's like a concert, but we're just singing a lot of words that, that are all loaded and, and talking about all kinds of stuff. The reality is all of these things should be pushing us towards what is true. And if we see what is true, what should happen is our affections should be stirred. That's what we believe about what, what happens when we stare and come face to face with the one truth. And so if you're here and you're searching and you're in that camp and you're like, yeah, okay, I, I wanna hear, I've dabbled, I don't know. I've, maybe there's lots of things that are true and I'm, I'm figuring that out. It, you are welcome in this place. This, you are in the right place. You didn't walk into the wrong room, but we unapologetically believe that there is one truth. There is one source ultimately of satisfaction, one truth. We believe that that one truth has a heartbeat and his name is Jesus Christ. That's what we believe and all things point to him and our life without him, without a submission and a relationship with him will be wanting. And so as we see him, as we come face to face with a savior who we believe is actually approachable, our affections should be stirred whether that's through the preaching of the word or worship or community or, or conversations that happen around, around Christ and, and for Christ's honor, that's what we believe. So that's ultimately big picture. This semester where we're going is just, these sermons should be places where we say, let's, 
Let's look at this parable. Let's look at this passage. Let's look at this book that we believe points to Christ. Let's stare at it. Let's look at it until our hearts are stirred, not by my words, not because I'm going to come up with some really amazing pithy observations from the book of Luke that you've never heard before, but our hope and prayer is because the Holy Spirit does something in our hearts. As we look at the one we believe is really the source for our satisfaction. So um, that's what this is about. Um, That's what worship is. Uh, Worship is an appropriate response to truth. I'm reminded of Psalm 1. I pray pray Psalm 1 over my boys almost any time I get to do bedtime, um, which is not tonight, (laughs) thanks to you clowns, but most nights that I get to do bedtime. and, and I pray Psalm 1 over them. And Psalm 1 is this beautiful psalm about a tree that's planted near these streams of living water. And it's this idea of a tree whose roots are really well connected to like the source. And so this tree can, can bear fruit and it can grow its leaves and grow its branches in cold weather and hot weather and all different kinds of seasons because it is rooted and its roots are deep in living water. And that is the picture of worship. That's the picture of, of what a disciple, what a follower of Jesus should be is, is someone whose roots are deep. And then our worship is our response. It's our leaves and our branches and our lives that respond to who he is as he works through us. That's what we're signing up for. If we say we want to follow Jesus, right? We're not signing up for a religion. We're signing up for that, a submission to say, God, I'm yours. Work through me and produce what you might will for your glory. That's all of us. So here's my hope for tonight. My hope for tonight is that the spirit of God, the spirit of God in this place takes the parable of scripture that we're gonna hear about tonight. It might be very familiar to some of you. Um, It's one of my favorites. And takes God's word and presses it over a bunch of imperfect hearts, full of sin, full of all kinds of wandering, and takes the truth of scripture, presses it over imperfect hearts, and reminds us where healing and hope and grace and abundant life is found in Christ. Luke 15 is where we're gonna be. We'll throw it up on the screen if that's helpful, but it's a parable that Jesus, um, Jesus teaches. And it's a parable when Jesus is, is in a section there in Luke 15, you can kind of glance even at the headings if you got your Bibles, where Jesus is talking about, honestly, as our savior connected to the father's heart, his love for lost things, lost people, his love for those who wander. And so there in the, in the middle of Luke 15, we get um, not just a, an inanimate object that's lost, which is kind of his parables earlier, but we get uh, a prodigal son who's lost and we see the heart of Jesus in this. In Luke 15, verse 11, just the first few verses, we, we see the scene is set. And he said, Jesus, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. This parable, and even right off the bat in these first few verses, what happens here is common to man, right? Maybe not in huge ways, but but at the heart of what's happening in the story of the prodigal son is common to me and to my heart, and probably honestly more my default setting than I would like to admit, and more your default setting than you'd really like to admit. It's easy to look at the prodigal son of like, that was a bad investment, that guy's crazy, that was a wild one, because here we have a son who goes to his father and says, I would rather you be dead than alive. You are a clearly we'll see the character of the father, a loving, generous father, but I wish you would just die so I could get your inheritance and live apart from you with 
all of the inheritance that one day I'll get when you, and so he's, he says, I wish you'd be dead. I mean, I wish I could just get that. The father does this, gives him, takes what would be his, gives it to him. He goes, he squanders it. Um, reckless living, it talks about. I mean, the lifestyle that he then engages in. And there is in all of us, what I think this touches at is a root where we as, if, if we play out Psalm 1, we are trees where our roots are trying to go somewhere to be satisfied. Innate within all of us is a desire for satisfaction, a desire for pleasure, a desire for peace, a desire for comfort, and a, a desire that we're searching for an identity that works for us. Um, we all have a deep desire inherently to, to be satisfied in whatever our cravings are. And that's not necessarily inherently evil. But when that source for what we think will satisfy us isn't the right source, it's a disaster. Um, in the early 2000s, I lived in Moscow, Russia. And uh, in Moscow, Russia, at this time, it was uh, not only cold and dark and very Russian, it was also uh, not, there was just not very many Western influences yet. There was a McDonald's, but you couldn't go and just buy a Dr. Pepper in the grocery store. That wasn't a thing. Everything in Russia has mayonnaise on it. It just was a tough, tough place to live for, for me. Um, but one of the things that happened was I lived with some other missionary guys in this house and this other missionary family that had come through, they brought some like baked goods or something and they baked us, there were four dudes in this house, they baked for us homemade cinnamon rolls. Like these are Americans who know how to make cinnamon rolls, right? No offense if you're Russian in this room, love you, glad you're here, but these were American real cinnamon rolls, right? Um, and, and you couldn't find them anywhere, right? This was like a delicacy, and they made four of them for us. And they were huge. I mean, they were just massive, massive cinnamon rolls. Um, and so they came and they brought these cinnamon, and we, we flipped out. And my other three roommates just devoured them, inhaled them, right? I, being wise and godly as I am, I thought, no, uh-uh, that's immediate gratification. I'm gonna slow play this. And this is gonna, this is gonna, I'm just gonna really worship, right? This is gonna be a source of worship for me. So everyone else had eaten theirs and I really saved mine. And then, and then later I was like, we're doing this right. After kind of everyone had left, we're doing it right. <clears throat> and so I, I, I got it nice. I got the oven nice and warm. I got it reheated. And the reality is there's no icing, right? They gave us cinnamon rolls, super generous. But let's be honest, there wasn't icing, which a cinnamon roll without icing is a joke. Um, it's thank you, but honestly, what's wrong with you? It's, nachos without cheese is what it is. You're just, eating, you're just eating boring bread and cinnamon. You need icing to make this thing. So I, being resourceful, was like, I'm gonna make my own icing. So I heated the sucker up, got the wooden container full of sugar, right? This beautiful wooden container, slide it forward, open it up, full of sugar, right? Start scooping, get the cinnamon roll nice and hot. And icing is going to be the thing that makes my cinnamon roll actually taste like a real cinnamon roll, right? Like I'm going to... It, maybe the only cinnamon roll in the entire country of Russia at this time. I have it, and now I am glazing it with my own sugar concoction. So taking the sugar out, melting it, pouring it over the cinnamon, and I, and I get it over, and it's melting into it. I can see the sugar and the sweetness melting into the bread and, and oozing, and I was, I'm gonna go back for another layer of sugar, and I'm just, and this, my, you know, beautiful container vase of sugar is just my source for just, What's gonna be delight in my life? Let me fast forward five minutes. There I am. Now it's glazed with sugar. Last cinnamon roll, mind you, in all of the country of Russia is my prediction. Take a bite of that. I turned on some smooth jazz to just get the mood right. 
take a bite of that thing and realized I had just soaked my entire cinnamon roll in salt. An entire container of salt that I thought was sugar, I had layered and melted into the bread. The last cinnamon roll in all of Russia in 2001, now completely ruined. Didn't get one, I I took two, I took one bite, realized my mistake, grieved for a while, tried to salvage, tried to wipe, tried to take another bite, realized it was gone. It was a disaster. Uh, It was a big thing, counseling, whole deal. Um, here's, here's what I want to, here's what I, here's why I tell you that ridiculous, true, but ridiculous story. That container, right? That I think this is it, right? This is, this is what's going to be it. That is a picture for me and a constant reminder for me of, and if I am not, if you are looking for your satisfaction in anything other than the thing that will actually be designed to satisfy it, whether it's trite examples like a cinnamon roll or you go for a glass of water and it's not water or you think, whatever it is, those things, our soul is designed for depth. Your soul is designed for depth and meaning and there is a creator that has created a source that when your roots are in it, you will find satisfaction in hard seasons, lonely seasons, good seasons. I'm not trying to oversimplify a hard life. It doesn't mean you'll be happy all the time. It doesn't mean things will go your way all the time. But we have a designer that has designed us to long for and we go to the wrong source all the time. All the time and we, and we do that and we see what happens, right? We are left empty, we are left wanting, we are left hurting, whatever it is. See what happens in Luke 15. When he'd spent everything, in verse 14, he'd spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs and he was longing to be fed by the pods that the pigs ate. This is how low, how empty, how hungry he had become. And no one gave him anything. There's two, I want to talk briefly about just two false sources of satisfaction that we have. And one of them is the satisfaction that, that comes, a false source of immediate gratification, right? Or, or the pleasure principle, right? The idea that if I'm really hot and thirsty, I need a glass of cold water. That's not inherently evil, right? That is innate as a part of our design in all of us, that I need this immediate thing to solve this immediate hunger or desire Babies have it. it, we are born with it, and it's a, it's a survival mechanism that our designer has created in us. Somewhere along the way, we have wired all differently, different proclivities and different temptations and different things that we might try to find the source of our satisfaction in, but, but the synapses in our brains fire our brains now to protect us from pain, from hard things, from discomfort, but slowly somewhere along that way, that's been, well, well, now we just don't want to experience anything that would be uncomfortable. Or we have a desire that now we've said, well, this is how I cope with this, or this is how I deal with stress, or this is how I deal with rejection, or this is how I, I avoid pain, or this is how, you name it. In that life of satisfaction, our roots, when we're tried, are going to plug into something. And so often our temptation is, we got to have a source that helps us feel good now. It's what alcohol does, right? It's what, it's what alcohol does. It's what, it's what drugs do in ways, right? That's, that's what they do. That's a part of their design, even prescribed drugs. That again, these things aren't inherently evil. Jesus made alcohol, right? These aren't inherently evil things, but 
when they become our source for satisfaction, when they become a coping mechanism for something hard or hurting in us, that's what uh, food in overeating can do for some of us. And some of us have that proclivity. Some of us have more of a leaning towards that's what purging after eating can do for us because it can give us a sense of control that we feel like this is what we need right now when things are out of control. Our ability to control and regulate that, it's what pornography does. It's what hookups do. It's what spending, right? If you've ever been stressed and frustrated and just, and then all of a sudden you find yourself opening Amazon tab and buying things and feel endorphins just because you're having Amazon ship you some material things that you don't actually need, then, then that is a way in which we say, oh man, I'm hurting. Let me put my, let me find the satisfaction for this tension, distress at work. I just, it's what scrolling on our phone does. I need to escape and check out. I just need to scroll and be mindless and not engage with things that are, are maybe hard or dry or uncomfortable. So this will be a, a source. It's what vegging will do. It's, it's what hanging out in crowds of people to distract me. And I could be in a big crowd of people and then when the crowd dissipates at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the night, I'm reminded of how dry I am. It's what isolating does. When I say I need to remove myself from any relationships, escape from relationships, that's gonna be the source of my peace. Breaking off relationships, removing myself, not engaging, I'm going to isolate. That will be the source of my peace. Listen to me say something a lot of the things I said are not evil things, right? There are definitely some destructive things in, in just the entry-level list I just gave, right? There's some destructive things, but some of them are healthy. I mean, Jesus isolated. Jesus spent time in crowds. Jesus was accused of being an alcoholic. He was accused of being a glutton. So he definitely was around that. So, so we don't necessarily adopt a mindset of monks to say we have to deny ourselves anything that might feel good, anything that's not... That's not what Christ did, and that's, not, that's certainly not what we believe the scriptures would teach to say we need to deny everything, but none of it will work as the source for our satisfaction. If that becomes the source for the peace that you need, for the comfort that you need, for the escape that you need, then what we're doing is we're training our roots to tap into a soil that will leave us dry to tap into a lake, to tap into a stream that won't actually produce the fruit we really want. Solomon um, was incredibly wise king in the Old Testament. And Solomon had everything. I mean, he had it all. I mean, he had everything he could have wanted, everything you could have wanted, you name it, you name the category. He had access to it. He had the ability, he had power, he had authority, he had everything. Um, He writes a book, Ecclesiastes, which is an entire book that that touches on this uh, point. Um, Ecclesiastes 2.11 sums up kind of a thesis that Solomon says. He says this, he says, then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, chasing something that was never gonna be caught and fulfilling and satisfying, striving after wind and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. We all find these immediate gratification sources as satisfaction. We all do it. Some of them can be really destructive. Some of them can be healthy, God-given things that we've taken and said, thank you for this gift, God. I'm gonna make it my new idol. I'm gonna make it my source. I'm gonna make it 
my foundation. The second one, if the first one is immediate satisfaction, I would say the second one, I would just frame it as success, right? Kind of the opposite of that. But still a faulty premise, right? It's the person who says, okay, I'm not gonna cut corners. I'm, not, I'm gonna work hard. I'm not gonna just take the shortcut. I'm going to do the, the thing, work hard, build, build my identity the right way. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna turn to the fleeting things. I'm gonna avoid those things and really build satisfaction in and of myself. I'm not gonna find it in fleeting things. And so maybe some of you are saying, yeah, that's not as much. I mean, we all do some of those things, but maybe it's not just that. It's I find a lot of roots and I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna build my own satisfaction. I'm gonna build a, a life of success. And, and what that looks like, what success looks like might be the gym. Like this is, I'm gonna find my identity here. It might be your job. I'm gonna find my identity and my source for satisfaction here. It might be relationships. It might be community, but it's a longer play but it's just a slower cancer. So it's a long play to say, that's gonna be my source, the job I have, the relationship I get, the, the body that I want, the career, the community, the, to be beloved, whatever it is, it's a long play. But then we wake up, 10, 15, 20, then we wake up and we say, that didn't produce the sat, there's, I am still wanting, I am still desiring. It's why guys like Tom Brady don't know how to stay retired. Because they just, they just, I need another. It's still empty. I still need more. What's building my identity on, on me, on my success, on my improvement, it's still that slow growing poison for our souls. Hebrews eleven twenty four. 24. Uh, Hebrews 11 is this kind of story of the hall of faith. And it's just got these incredible glimpses that the author of Hebrews does. And, and in, in verse 24, he says this. He, he reminds us of the Old Testament, Moses, kind of the origins of Moses and what happened with Moses kind of before he was the dude with the beard and the cane and the river parting, I mean, the Red Sea parting. He, he was this, it said, by faith, in verse 24, and we'll put it up on the screen, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. There it is again, these fleeting unsatisfying things. And this was a guy who had been given the career, the identity. He is Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter. He's the son of that. I mean, he, he had the opportunity to grow into an empire with identity and status and belovedness. And he walked away because he saw that long play of that was still empty. And God called him away and said, I have something better, not easier, better and good and satisfying ultimately. You are made, Holy Spirit, help us hear this. In the name of Jesus, you are made to have one source where true satisfaction comes. That your roots go one place to find that, the foundation of our lives to be built on one source. And then on that foundation is a life of discipline and hard work and great healthy careers and good fun and, and sweet immediate cinnamon rolls that have icing and all of those good things too that are built on top of a one foundation. That's the only thing that you are designed for. Philippians 3.13, Paul says, brother, I do not consider that I've made it my own. Paul, the apostle Paul says, I haven't arrived yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. What Paul does 
What Paul lives his life doing is saying, there is one thing that I am striving for, and that thing is Jesus Christ. Because we are broken, sinful people. Me, you, we are, our, our roots are wired wrong, our, our, our synapses are wired wrong, and that's not a, a hang our head down and let's feel bad about it. That bad news leads us to the only source where we, the only religion, the only faith, we have a God who says, you don't earn your way up, you don't clean yourself up, you don't work your way up the ladder to me and I will give you satisfaction when you get here. We believe in Christianity through this the only place where we say, our God said, you're not gonna make it. We didn't get a prophet who said, here's the path to work your way up to me. We got a God who said, you're not gonna make it. You're dead. You bring nothing to the table. You're not gonna be able to satisfy or get to a place where your roots dig in, but I love you. And I love you and I love you so much that I will send my son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He will hang on a cross 2,000 years ago in a country on the other side of the ocean for your brokenness, your lack of sight, your inability to connect to the creator you are designed to connect to. And for those who see that cross, see that son who died, hung on a cross and rose three days later and now sits at the right hand of of the father in full glory, those who see and place their faith and say, yes, I need that. I don't need a theological understanding of that. I don't need a religion. I don't need to pray a prayer that's recited for me. I need a relationship with the king of the universe, Jesus Christ. Come, Jesus, into my life. Take it. My roots don't go in the places they naturally should go. I surrender to you, God. Paul says, I am crucified with you. And so the life I now live in the flesh, I live in faith in you, Jesus. That's what you are designed for. You might've heard that a thousand times or this is the first time the Holy Spirit said, this is what I have for you. And you'd never heard, you'd heard religion or you'd heard work towards it, you heard do more good than bad or any of those other lies, whether it's the first time or the thousandth time, what does that truth do? It should stir our affections for God that he and his mercy while we were still sinners would come and die for us and offer us that pathway. For those who say, I want that, I need that. God, take me. Work in me. Meet me here in my brokenness. I don't know how to clean myself up enough to present myself to you. So here, broken, empty, chasing a bunch of things that don't fulfill me, I surrender to you. That's what salvation looks like that then begins a relationship with a father. Luke 15, what did he do? Verse 18, he said, I will arise and I'll go to my father. He was far off. He'd squandered it. He wasn't getting satisfied. I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so here he's saying, I'm going to bargain. Here's going to be my, here's going to be my speech to just get, to just get my father to let me come back and just be a slave, a slave in your house would have been better than what I'm doing now, eating a bunch of pig slop. So yes, just let me do that. Let me just be a hired servant. So he's, he's, he's practicing the speech he's gonna give his dad who he said, I wish you'd just be dead so I could get your inheritance. He's gonna go back to that father and just say, let me just be a slave because your slaves have it better than I'm living. He's rehearsed it. And then he arose and he came and he came to his father. Excuse me. But while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and felt compassion 
and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven before you. Here's his speech. He's rehearsed this. Dad, please just let me be a slave. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Here he goes. He's given the speech. Verse 22, but the father interrupts. The father says, the father says to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Are our affections stirred when we see the father that we have? Man, we all find ourselves far off at times in our life. I know you're here. And if you are honest, and if the Holy Spirit is working in you, you're reminded by, that there's so many things that I'm chasing after, putting my roots in, finding my satisfaction, disobeying, all of these things that aren't you, Jesus. And our Father meets us while we're far off. That's the God you have. That's, I don't know what your earthly father looks like. That is what your heavenly father looks like. He meets you while you're far off and halfway through your speech to say, I'm so sorry and I'm not worthy. And he says, we're gonna throw a party. You're back, you were dead and now you're home, you're mine. I don't know who needs to hear that tonight, but I do. You are his if you are in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, and you're trying to do this through religion or through any number of sources, tonight, come to a father who designed you to be connected to him. All of us need that. And there's a third category in this room too. If you hear this, and I'll just paraphrase it, but the rest of this chapter in Luke 15 um, there's a whole other character at play. If you remember, there were two brothers. And there's an older brother in this scene too who's been kind of in the background. And maybe you hear prodigal son and you hear this sermon and you think, man, this is great for somebody else tonight. And I'm so glad someone else might be hearing this. But you've been doing it the right way. You've been, you've been navigating relationships the way you were supposed to navigate relationships and everyone else gets them and you don't. You've been navigating your work and your career in a God-honoring way and everyone else seems to get the promotions and you don't. You've been navigating life saying no to the things that other people are saying no to, but they're still celebrated. But you know what they did last weekend. And you didn't do that. You sat alone or you chose something that wasn't as immediately fun. And so you hear this and you're happy for those people to hear grace. But for you, you think, I've had my satisfaction in being the good brother. And there's a call to repentance there too. To where the father goes and the brother can't be a part of the party. Because he says, "What? this is ridiculous. He wanted you to die. He backstabbed you. Do you know him? You're throwing a party, you're, you're killing the best cow and you're wrapping him up with your grace. And maybe tonight you are that older brother too. Praise God, you're here. And you've made an idol out of doing it the right way instead of just being with the father. The satisfaction doesn't come from doing it the Christian way. 
the Christian life and all of the things we do are really just to say, man, I want to be in relationship with a father who's good. So for all of us, we got work to do. All of us, we get to dig deep and say, Holy Spirit, would you take your truth? Would you take your story? This is an exercise of worship. And then we ask, Lord, would our hearts respond that you are good, that we can sing that, that we can proclaim that, not just sing lyrics, not just get in a car, not just journal in our our prayer journal, but God, would our hearts say you are good because of the Father that you are, because the Spirit stirs within us and reminds us of the one truth. Let me pray for us. Father, as we go back into worshiping through music, God, would it not be about music? Would it not be about lyrics and band and lights? God, would this time be about us, your kids who need you, who don't deserve you, who have wandered and returned and wandered and returned, and yet here we are again in your kindness. Maybe tonight you're revealing some places where we've wandered, and yet tonight you again say, return. And not only do you tell us to return, you meet us while we're still far off. Do what only your spirit can do tonight. Reveal in us the places that we plug our roots into that are leaving us dry and help us identify them Repent and turn from them and run to you. You are a good, good God. Help our hearts believe that. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope today's message was impactful and God used it to be part of the transforming work he wants to do in your life. Look, our desire is that this isn't just a resource you would listen to, but that this is really a community you would belong to. If you have any further questions, you just want to talk or need prayer, reach out to us. Our contact info is on the website, renovateftw.org, or connect with us on our social media, at RenovateFTW, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.